Imagine a world where people can talk about money safely and make decisions on numbers and not always on emotion. You are listening to Your Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Now, here's your host, Hannah Moore, a CFP and the owner of Guiding Wealth Management. Thanks, Charlie. I'm excited to introduce our listeners to Catalina Franco Cicero of Fiscal Fitness Clubs. This will be the first of a three-part series that I'm really excited about. So today we'll talk with Kat. Next week, we'll talk with Kat's business partner, Carol Craigie. And in the following week, Kat and Carol will share their story together. So today we'll talk with Kat. She has an incredible personal story with immigrating from to the United States as a child to her fitness and education background and now running Fiscal Fitness Clubs of America. She had a vision for what it would look like to provide financial planning to the general public and using her fitness background, she's doing just that. So let's jump right into the interview. Before we get into your business model, how did you come into financial planning? So I, I joke with this, um, with my story a little bit to help my clients feel more at ease. And I tell them I started financial planning when I was a kid. And they're like, what do you mean? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, I I came to the United States when I was eight years old from Colombia in South America. Uh, My mom came here with with the three of us, my two older brothers and me. Uh, She was divorced. And uh, because we didn't speak English, uh, things were very challenging. Uh, not knowing the language and then not knowing the financial language make it even made it even harder, especially for my mom. Um, since I was the first one to learn English, Hannah, I had to write out checks uh, to all the bills, <laughs> to Florida Power and Light, to uh, the water department, Whoever we needed to pay, I wrote out the checks because when you are in third grade, they they were teaching us how to write things out like that. And I knew how to write the numbers. That was obviously the first thing, one of the first things they teach you when you're learning a new language. Um, So I did that for my mom and I I kept the ledger uh, because my brothers were also helping, but they were helping by going to work after school. So my experience with managing cash flow (laughs) happened very early on. And I learned how stressful it could be, how confusing and frustrating it could be to have limited uh, resources. So I made it a, a goal of mine that it wouldn't happen to me as an adult, that I was going to get it together <laughs> and I wasn't going to be this stressed out as a grown up. Uh, but I did not originally go into financial planning, Hannah. I actually went into fitness and wellness. I come from a family of athletes. And so at a very early age, I started in martial arts and then um, in college, I was a rower uh, for the university and I I started a degree in physical education. And as soon as I did that, I I started working in the area. I started a business called Fitness for Kids, which was kind of like my side gig, right? We, We talk a lot about side gigs. Um, it was part of what I really enjoyed doing, but it was also a great source of income for me. And I used it to pay off student loans and be able to put a down payment for my first place. So I was already at a very young age thinking strategically about how to, you know, create a, a life where I wouldn't have to feel the stress that I had as a kid. Um, and so I continued in this career until 
my doctor said that I couldn't be in the sun anymore <laughs> because I ended up getting all these different types of uh, sun allergies, which was the most ironic thing. I live in South Florida, so <laughs> we're in the sun all the time. Uh, but here I was in the sun about seven hours, seven to eight hours a day. And so my skin couldn't handle it anymore. And um, the dermatologist told me, you better find another career because this is going to ruin your skin. It broke my heart because I loved it. Uh, but I went back to grad school uh, to get a degree in sport management. And I had a great time. I mean, I, I loved it. And I was very fortunate because of the university that I attended. I quickly got a job um, as the director of um, wellness and sport and recreation. So it, it was it was really easy. It was a lot of fun. And I did that for a long time. But it wasn't until I decided to pursue a degree uh, in higher educational leadership, uh, a PhD in that, that I found out about the CFP coursework. And because I was already writing my dissertation proposal, I couldn't add more things to my plate. And so when the university made the announcement that it was uh, an employee benefit, I called my husband <laughs> right? and I said, hey, this sounds like a really awesome class for you to take. Uh, can you take the, the, the whole course? It's going to be paid for by the university and I can uh, enjoy the classes through you. And he's like, oh my gosh, woman, what are you doing to me? What are you getting me involved with now? <laughs> and so my husband, Michael, who is such a good sport, uh, took the classes. And then um, one class, he, he couldn't take notes. It was actually the capstone. And uh, I said, hey, I'll, I'll go take notes for you. And I fell in love with the class, Hannah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I'm supposed to be doing a dissertation. <laughs> and um, because as you know, the, the, the capstone class is all about case analysis and how it all comes together. And um, I was like, why are we teaching this to everybody? Why is this information kept secret? I mean, it would have really helped my family to have known this or at least have a safe place to go to to, to talk to someone about this. And um, I learned that, that if I took the classes, maybe I could make a difference <laughs> in the lives of people that had my background. Um, so I, I did a 180 turn. I stopped my dissertation proposal. I, I decided that I was going to take the coursework and I finished it in one year. Um, that was in August of 2011. I finished by August of 2012. And then um, I made a full career change to become a certified financial planner. So at that time, like, did you, what was your sense of what financial planners, like what, like who they were, what they did? What, what was your sense of that at that point? Well, when I was taking the classes, my sense was that they were like amazing people that were helping <laughs> individuals get their whole life together when it came to finances. Um, I had no clue about the different business models when I was at the university because that wasn't part of the curriculum, understanding the different business models. Um, I did not know that to get a CFP professional who was a fiduciary, who was truly looking out for you holistically 
management that you have to have a minimum of $500,000 <laughs> of assets under management. Otherwise, it wasn't going to be accessible to you. That I did not know. I, I, I didn't learn that until I graduated and started looking for work. So what I love about your story is, you know, you were eight years old helping your mom who, who came to this country, doesn't speak English, and you went through the CFP coursework and you thought finally I'd be able to help that person. Like, I think that's really neat to be able, that you didn't draw that conclusion that you had to be a millionaire client in order to get financial advice. Well, because I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it was. I was thinking I'm at a university, you know, everything is so idealistic <laughs> when you're going to school and then reality hits when you leave. <laughs> like, oh, this is what this world is like. So it, it was quite a shock actually to me. So what did that look like as you kind of stepped out of the classroom and into uh, financial planning? Well, um, the first job that I got was actually when you would call a um, fee-only assets under management uh, business model. And it would have been a wonderful position to stay at if that was really the, the ideal client that I wanted to work with. Um, I was, I was helping with updating the financial plans. I mean, I was, I was getting to do what I think, would be a dream job for most people who just finished the coursework. Um, but the disconnect for me was that I wasn't able to talk to people that I thought really needed financial planning and understandably so, right? Because they couldn't afford to pay for it. And in order to have a viable business, you have to, you know, go for the clients that are going to keep your business going. Right. But I knew early on that that was not going to be a good match for me. I mean, I felt that I I didn't know enough going into it. And when I went into it, I realized that it wasn't going to be a long-term position for me. Did you bring up with the firm owners this idea of working with people who don't have as much money? No. Honestly, uh, I didn't know what questions to ask. I felt that that's the way this works and it just wasn't a good match. And I, maybe I need to go work at a bank or something <laughs> to be able to see everyday folks, you know? So I left and I started looking for another job and I ended up working at a credit union. And what they told me during the interview was that, Hey, yeah, we get to work with everyday people. You're going to make a difference in people's lives. And this is going to be really wonderful because it aligns with your values and so forth. But they never told me that the focus of the job was to eventually be a financial advisor that sells annuities. And that that was the main objective of meeting with people was to sell them an annuity. So when I found that out <laughs> a couple of, you know, a month or two in, I'm like, oh boy, this is not going to work out either. <laughs> it's not a good match. I feel like a lot of listeners to this podcast may not know, like walking into like a credit union, like what those jobs look like. So you're saying that it was more, we wanted you to sell those annuities. Um, but what does it look like? What are the other things that you had to do at the credit union? Can you kind of expand on like what that job function like look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, they called it financial advisor one. 
and what they started you off in doing was, um, you know, basic paperwork, managing a calendar, doing a lot of cold calling. That was the biggest shock to me. I didn't understand and I wish somebody would have told me at the interview that they really wanted me to be on the phone all day, calling as many people as I could, especially people whose uh, CDs were coming due very soon <laughs> so they could come in and get a financial review or, or like dormant RA, RIAs, um, uh, all kinds, I mean, IRAs, yeah, uh, the words are getting jumbled in my mind. Um, but it was a lot of calling and it was all at the beginning focused on making appointments. That was my primary, my primary um, job in helping the financial advisor that I was assisting. And so the, I was evaluated based on how many appointments I could book and how many people actually came in to meet with the advisor. So not a whole lot of planning there. No, <laughs> not at all. And they weren't open to letting me sitting on the meeting so that I could learn at least to understand how they were, you know, talking to the individuals or, or leading just like an initial conversation with someone. Um, I had to ask a lot of questions, but it wasn't really accessible to me. Um, and it was very competitive. It was very um, unfriendly, unlike what I was told it was going to be like. And yeah, a work environment that I was not used to at all. How long were you at the credit union? I was there for five months. Okay. So then what was your next step after that? I realized that what I really wanted to do was financial wellness since I had a fitness and wellness background. Um, and I had an understanding of what other organizations were trying to do with integrating physical wellness and financial wellness and all the different types of um, proactive campaigns to improve employee retention and health overall. And so that's really where my heart was. And what I did was begin researching financial wellness programs and in, in companies uh, in my area. And I came across a broker dealer who, uh, who the franchisee said was a financial wellness person. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. I can't believe it. <laughs> So um, I reached out to them directly. We set up an appointment and I met with the person. They, they seemed very interested in talking to me and in my wellness background. And, and I was already, um, you know, I, I was going to be taking my CFP exam and um, it was all going to work out very well because I had expressed that I really wanted to be a financial advisor and they were all on board. And then I was told when I was hired that I was actually coming in to replace the client service person, which was really an administrative assistant. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this, is not, this is not what I want to do. But I understand that I have to earn my stripes in this industry. So I don't, uh, I don't see this as a totally horrible opportunity. But um, this is not where I want to be, you know, for the rest of my career. And so it turns out when I, when you peel back the onion and you're behind the scenes that there was really no financial wellness program in place. It was just that 
you could pay to be able to use the financial wellness program that the broker dealer had available to them. And you just needed somebody in that office to begin marketing in it, but it was never really marketed. And then I found out that the financial planner really wasn't trained to do financial planning. I was eventually writing all the financial plans and walking the financial advisor on how to deliver the plans and how to carry out, you know, the recommendations. So I was doing back office support, almost financial advisor work, in my opinion. And they wanted me to stay in the back office. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is not going to work. <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> no, 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 no. I eventually got them to change my title to pair planner. I'm like, look, I'm writing your financial plans. Okay. <laughs> At the very least, change the title. You know, I worked too hard for this. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting experience, Hannah. That was not fun at all. <laughs> so now, would the advisor implement the plans that you had written or was it complete disregard for them? I think some of the recommendations were implemented. To be honest, I don't, I, I don't want to go much into it except to say that I, they were trained previously to sell annuities and they were pushed by the broker dealer to begin doing financial planning. So to them, it was pretty new. So I don't know. I don't know. Cause after I left is when it kind of got started. So I don't know how much of the things that I wrote for them got implemented, but you weren't able to do what you really wanted to do at this point. So how long were you at this broker dealer then? Uh, I think that one lasted a little bit longer, maybe seven months. So <laughs> you're flying through these places, uh, which is actually really great experience and exposure. But were you starting to get discouraged at all? Or kind of what was your assessment at this point of the financial services in industry or profession? Oh, well, I was very disappointed. I mean, it had crushed any type of idealistic dream I had around financial planning. <laughs> Anything I had done in any of my classes was not done in these uh in these uh, settings, except for the first one, but the, the other two, definitely not. Um, so no, I mean, I, I, seriously, I seriously considered leaving the industry. I'm like, this is the most unfriendly, unwelcoming um, environment. Uh, it's very difficult to find somebody who are willing to teach you and mentor you. And on top of that, the business models were just not um, ethical, in my opinion, you know, the way they were carrying out the business. I'm just like, this is just wrong. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had a lot of like, oh my gosh, I made a huge mistake. Like I should have just finished my PhD and I could have been teaching somewhere. So what was the next step after the broker dealer? When I, when I started the the coursework, I did join the Financial Planning Association, and it was shortly after that that the women in finance were launching the, the pilot program for mentoring. And I had applied for it, and I got very, very fortunate, and not because I knew any better, because now you know that I had no clue, right? <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. Um, they asked us as part of the application to go into FPA um, 
uh, on the dashboard and find three people that we wanted to be mentored by. And I'm like, I don't know anybody in this industry. How could I possibly <laughs> find someone that I want to be mentored by? I have no clue. And so I began doing a search and I, I did find three people. And one of those people had a company called Fiscal Fitness Clubs of America. And I'm like, Fiscal Fitness Clubs, the word fitness. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> so let me reach out to, to her and her name is Carol Craigie. I said, let me reach out and I'll put it in the application. Hopefully she'll consider me. Uh, I'll write as much as what I can think of as a compelling message and see if we could connect. And, uh, and she said, yes, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is awesome. Um, so Carol came into my, um, into the time that I was transitioning quite early on. Right. Cause I, I started, in August of 2011, so I, I met her in January of 2012, and she was my sounding board through all of these transitions. If it wasn't for her, I think I would have given up a lot sooner. Um, but she coached me, she gave me feedback. Um, she was just wonderful, and at least someone that I could just vent to and say, This is just wrong. Like, what's happening in this industry? This is just yikes. And so she had already her business called Fiscal Fitness Clubs, but she was doing it part-time because she um, was working at the College for Financial Planning, which was like her encore career at that point. She had already been the National Director of Financial Planning for Wells Fargo and JP Morgan and many other banks. So she had been in the industry for a very long time. And when I was already leaving or getting ready to leave the last job that I was at, I was in communication and researching um, different platforms that would help me start my own firm. And one of the platforms that I found was the XY Planning Network. And I had spoken to, to Alan Moore um, maybe a week before um, I talked to Carol about it and, and I said, what is it going to take for me to start a firm? I, I read your website. It looks like this could work. I can do this. And so we talked about it and I said, well, you know, obviously I've been very disheartened by every experience I've had so far. <laughs> mm -hmm. If I want something that I'm proud of and that um, I'm going to pour my heart into, it makes sense for me to just start my own firm. And, um, I went back with this information to Carol and, but what I said to her was, um, listen, I want to, I want to resign from this job. I'm not happy. This is not going to work out. And she's like, well, so Kat, what do you want to do? And I said, funny you asked that question. <laughs> I said, what I want to do is start my own firm and I want to start it with you. And she she doesn't say anything. And so if you know when you ask somebody a question and they don't answer for like three seconds, but it seems like they're in pause for like a minute. <laughs> I'm like, answer me. <laughs> say something. <laughs> She's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> now we're going to have fun. 
So uh, the next day I went and I resigned from that job. And then I, I immediately emailed Alan Moore and I said, okay, Alan, let's set up a meeting with you, me and Carol and let's do this. <laughs> so, okay. I'm so impressed that you just had the courage to say that and just to ask for what you wanted. Yes. You know, it's important to ask for what you want and, and timing is also important because I had known Carol already for three years and I had already been asking her. <laughs> hinting. I'm like, Carol, so don't you just want to, you know, pursue your firm and, you know, don't you want me to be part of it? And she's like, well, Kat, I can't pay you right now. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I wasn't pushing it too much until I finally came to the edge and said, okay, I'm asking you now for real, for real, <laughs> or I'm leaving this industry. I'm not doing this anymore. Like I can't, I can't do it. And, uh, and yeah, you know, so I think it's timing and it's asking is also being persistent, right? For what you, for what you really want. So did you have a business plan in place or were you kind of just walking in blindly? Well, we had a model that we wanted to expand upon because Kara already had developed it. But all of the back office design and everything that goes into putting together a business was not in place. And I had already run a business for 16 years prior to this. So that part... I, I was comfortable with, I was familiar with, I was used to coordinating people and, and systems and all kinds of stuff. So that didn't scare me at all. I was like, okay, well, yeah, this is like running any other business. Let's go. You know, um, but we did sit down and we had a, a partnership agreement where we talked about what our partnership would look like. What are our values? What are our vision? What is our vision? What are what do we anticipate year one, two, and three as we're working through our, our business? Um, and we even talked about if this doesn't work out, this is how we will, you know, end the relationship. So that was talked about very early on because when she said yes, I said, okay, Carol. I'm flying to Colorado. <laughs> you have to tell me yes to my face. <laughs> so she's like, okay. So, uh, yeah, I flew out about a week later. I was at her house and, uh, and we talked about it in more depth, but I think it takes time to develop those business plans. So I can't say it was perfectly outlined or anything. You quit your job, fly out to Colorado and you're still with her, right? I mean, maybe not to give spoilers away, but... <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. No. <laughs> you're still happy, right? <laughs> with your decision? Yes. You know, it's been... Um, I have to tell you, I mean, and Carol is somebody that I admire and respect. And, and she just has a wonderful heart. You know, I think that if you decide to partner up with somebody, it has to be somebody that you respect that you don't mind hanging out with not just when you're having fun <laughs> but when things are not so fun because it's going to happen when you're running a business right um so yeah we're, we're still working together we're working hard i would say we started in june of 2015 
So now we're, we're in 2017. It's almost going to be two years. Yeah, it's going to be two years next month. So it's been challenging in that, you know, we don't work out of the same office. We're in two different states. So some things, um, as far as how we get work done, we have to work through that a little bit, how we communicate, how many times we meet and so forth. We work through that. In the first two years, I can tell you we're a bear. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid anybody because we've designed a curriculum from scratch. So it wasn't just, Hey, let's, let's get our RIA up and running and, um, our little CRM and our, <laughs> our cloud system <laughs> and our video conferencing system down in the email address. It's, it's beyond that. We've created an entire curriculum that takes individuals through the foundations of, you know, their financial house. We call them the getting started classes. And then we transition them to monthly action classes where we break down financial planning into bite-sized pieces. And this required writing all of the classes from the PowerPoints to the transcripts to all the supporting documents uh, and then recording them, um, videotaping them, and then creating an online classroom where people could go in and access all this information. That is no small task. That is a huge project to undertake. Uh, if nobody's ever done that, even just writing out scripts for a video, I mean, that's, it's so much work. It's, it, they can be such short, the shorter the video, the more succinct it is, the more work that went into it. Um, it's a lot of work. It took us, um, we started in June of 2015. So let's just say we lost a month there because we're just trying to get our bearings. Right. Um, but I would say we finished at the beginning of 2017. And so we designed, gosh, 18 classes plus about six webinars. So yeah, about, yeah, that, a ton of things in, in supporting documents and forms and in, in all of the email marketing campaigns, all of that. Um, so is I joke because I say this is like 1.0, right? Because you know, when you do the stuff, you go back and, you, and you're like, I can <laughs> <feel> that better. <laughs> How do we improve this? So I would say we're just now finishing 1.0. Um, like the little details. And now we're going back to all of our classes and making them better. So let's talk about the business model that you guys um, have developed. So who are your target clients? So our target clients are employees. Well, I guess we'll say they're companies with employees um, with 500 and up um, 500 and up employees. Uh, we offer financial wellness as an employee benefit, and we like to call ourselves the Weight Watchers of money. <laughs> 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 so if you know the Weight Watchers model, model it's basically um, you have a coach that just walks you through the activities and make sure that not only do you know what to do, but you actually are doing the activities <laughs> and, uh, and you carry them out and they give you feedback. Um, so it's basically the education, the coaching, and the part that we like the most that we get the most positive feedback on is the, the peer support, because we do this in a, in a web-based environment like video conferencing. 
So if you're a member, you jump into your club at a designated time and we go through the curriculum together. And what's wonderful about that is that it gives people an opportunity to talk about money in a safe learning environment that is not judgmental, that is welcoming, and where people could hear from one another what, what mistakes they've made with money, what things they wish we, they would have done instead, uh, what their goals are, and what strategies have worked for them. And that's very encouraging. I mean, think about it. If you um, go to the gym and you do it by yourself, that you probably do that for a little bit, right? <laughs> but if you're going with your best friend, you're more likely to stick it out. Um, and then if you meet a couple people and you go to the fitness class together and it's exciting to see them, then there's more opportunity for you to, to incorporate it into your lifestyle. So that's what we aim to do is to create those clubs uh, at these companies to help companies uh, see the impact of productivity, less stress, because let's face it, people are stressed out about money. They think about it all the time, <laughs> if not every day. And, and there is a financial impact to a company when they have financially stressed employees. So your client is the co So who pays you? Well, so there's different options. The company could fully subsidize the cost of the program or they could partially subsidize if they want their employees to have a bit of, you know, skin in the game. Or they could say, okay, we don't have a budget for it, but we will allow you to come in and, and talk to our employees if you agree to give them a discounted rate. And so they gives, this gives a company the flexibility to offer the program without having to offset the cost. But, um, it also allows the employee to have an opportunity that normally wouldn't be accessible to them or in a convenient, you know, time schedule and, and to make it so accessible. So what is the cost for one person to go through or to join a fitness club? Sure. So the, the fiscal fitness clubs, the retail price is $59 a month. And then from there, depending on whether your employer subsidizes the price or partially or gets a discount, we, we give them breaks in the pricing depending on the number of employees um, in participation. A new, new person signing up, what, what kind of is their journey throughout your program? Yeah, so we start off usually with, a, with the employer. If the employer wants to find out what is the level of stress that their employees have? We start with a survey that goes out to all of them so that they could have a baseline and better understand their particular employees. So that begins the journey with the employer. So they have a way to measure success. From there, we do a kickoff campaign. Um, one of the classes that we teach is called Winning at the Financial Planning Game. And so this is an opportunity for all employees to come in um, watch us present, see if this connects with them, <laughs> you know, and I tell them, Hey, nobody likes to play a game. They don't know the rules to, or how to score or who their teammates are. <laughs> I said, it's the same thing with financial planning, right? You got to know the game. And I promise that we can teach you how to win it. So, um, after that kickoff presentation, we open it up for employees to sign up. Um, and the employer will announce whether or not they're subsidizing it or helping with the, you know, partially and so forth. 
and then the employee will, will join a club. So in the club, we begin with what we call our getting started classes, which will start with um, just a communication of like, what are your goals? So we'll jump on a video conference, everybody gets to meet each other, and we say, hey, so what, what do you hope to get out of this? And we actually had one a couple of days ago with employees from the United States Postal Service. And some of the goals that, that they shared is like, I just want to know where my money's going. <laughs> I have no clue what I'm spending my money on. Um, other people are saying, well, we want to do debt reduction. We, we, we're tired of living to pay our, you know, our debts. So we want to have control over that. Other people will say that they want to save for a child's college education or for their first car, you know, whatever that might be. So we start just identifying goals and understanding our why, like, why do you want to do this? And then we use a lot of behavioral um, change um, processes and that people need to understand not just their why, but understanding their behaviors, like why are they doing what they're doing with their money? <laughs> so we do that even before we go into like a cash flow spreadsheet. <laughs> we want them to know why they're doing why they're doing, uh, what they're doing. So um, as we go through that process, they are beginning to track cash flow, but we're not emphasizing that at all. We just want them to become aware. Um, and then from there, we go into the numbers. We dig, now we begin digging into the numbers because once we have goals, we got to be able to fund those goals. So we got to find out if the money's actually going towards that. Um, and then as we go through this process, we, we talk about fixed expenses, variable expenses. We talk about debt restructuring and how do we get out of debt sooner. Um, and then the culminating activity is to be able to design your financial plan so that you can make projections. And so we give them access to financial planning software, uh, which is so rare, right? Like you normally don't give clients that access. <laughs> but we want them to see it in action, right? We're like, no, this is, um, we, we give them a playbook, which is a spreadsheet with different assignments on it, but it culminates where the data collection that they've, they've gathered goes into the software. And now they get to see what this means for them long-term. And what software is that? Uh, we use Advisor. Okay. Um, we also use another software, but, um, but depending, you know, on, on, on the case, uh, for this in particular, we're using Advisor now, which is very user-friendly. Um, and it's easy for people to get through very quickly. So are you finding that, or do you call them clients or what do you, what do you call them? We call members. Them members. <laughs> members. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> do you find that your members stay through? Like, are you having people who are going to attend, going through the entire process or are you seeing drop off? So, I mean, I think there's attrition like any other program that it's out there. Right. Um, but we have seen a lot of successful, um, retention rates and that people have stuck it out because after they finish their getting started classes, we move them into what we call our monthly action classes. And this is where we break down financial planning into bite-sized pieces. Um, for example, um, if they were to transition in January, we begin with what we call our paperwork management. And so they begin to, 
you know, we give them a filing system to organize their financial life. And you know that could take a year to do, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> or more. <laughs> uh, but that's a whole class, right? Like, you got to know what your stuff is. Um, then we do um, a financial, an annual financial summary and analysis. Uh, then we go into taxes. We teach people, you know, what's on your 1040? What does that mean? <laughs> and why it's important for you to know what it means throughout the year. Um, we talk about investments and uh, we actually have them look at what they have and we talk about different asset classes. We talk about um, how it impacts, how fees impact their investments over time. We talk about uh, risk tolerance and what that actually means because most people don't even know what that means. So this is what it means. We, we teach them about that. Um, we do retirement projections and planning. Um, or we call it financial freedom, right? Like one day you want to be able to do what you want to do. And maybe that means that you got to save now. So you have a little bit more margin in your life. <laughs> so um, we just take them through these classes every month. Um, and it begins to complete their financial plan. Because the financial plan they do in the getting started classes is just a foundation, right? And we're doing projections. But these classes are adding meat to all of those goals and, and gives them actionable steps. Because we have, we have um, action sheets for each one of these topics. And so is this presented through, like, I mean, are you doing live classes for these monthly meetings or are these already pre-recorded? Both. So we have a, an online classroom where our members could go in at any time and view any class in any order that they want. So they don't have to stick to a specific order. Um, but we do have the, cli the classes live, you know, via video, video conference. And that's a lot of fun, right? Because you get to interact with people and hear their feedback and so forth. Um, so depending on the type of learner that you are and on your schedule, because it could be that one week you're not able to make a class, but you don't want to miss out on your progress. So you go into the online classroom and you could check off the completion of your activities as we move forward. How many people are enrolled in your program right now? Can I ask? You can, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. We can edit this out, but. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so we're still a fairly new program. Um, we have had, that have gone through our program from presentations. Okay, so I'm going to include from presentations to one-on-one um, -on -one coaching because we do offer that as well to doing things for companies and so forth. I mean, we've had, we've seen about a thousand people. Now, people who are enrolled in the program, currently we have about, I would say between 50 and 75 people who are currently enrolled. Um, keep in mind that we were designing our curriculum for like the first 18 months. <laughs> so, we haven't been around that long. <laughs> But uh, we have been talking to a lot of people and we actually um, we, we were vetted by a company called Shortlister who has 45,000 benefit brokers on it that go in and they select different services. And so Shortlister vets you ahead of time in order for you to make their, their platform. And so I think they, they have like 
10 or 15 financial wellness companies around the country. So that was actually very difficult to get into. Um, and then the other thing that we got exposure on was T. Rowe Price. They went out and they hired a third-party um, consultant to go see what financial wellness programs were out there as far as their um, the curriculum, the type of you know education that they carried out, whether or not they have instructors or, you know, in our case, CFPs. We're all CFPs who are teaching this. Um, and how easy it was to implement. And we made their list, which is a really big deal. And we just found this out last month. <laughs> We're like, wow, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I anticipate the next time we have a conversation, we'll have more clients. Oh, for sure. It's, you know, it's so neat to hear about these companies kind of on the ground floor because you, you know you're going to do really neat things. And it'll be very interesting to see how you guys progress in the future. Yeah, just uh, two weeks ago, I presented to employees of the United States Postal Service, and we had over 300 attendees. Wow. So, and, and this was like a volunteer thing. They didn't have to come to my presentation. <laughs> so, it was, it was pretty <laughs> fun. I'm like, you guys are really interested in this, huh? <laughs> They're like, actually, we are. I'm like, I love it. So, it was, it was fun. It was fun. That's so neat. And, you know, we talk about, you know, how do we make this a really a true profession? And I know I've harped on this before, but it's like, if we're going to be a profession, we have, we have to be able to serve everybody, not just the high net worth. And that's what you guys are doing. I mean, that, that's, that's really inspiring to hear that. Yeah, no, I mean, our goal is to have 20,000 members and to keep it growing. Um, because we feel strongly that this information needs to be accessible. And there has to be a, a platform that makes it accessible at a low price where people feel welcomed and they're not um, made to feel ashamed for any financial mistakes that they've made. There's got to be hope, right? Um, and it can be that the hope is only for those people who maybe purposefully or by luck were able to save $500,000 to be seen by a CFP at a, you know, at a firm that manages, you know, mainly AUM and that's how they get paid. There's got to be something for everyone. And I think that this is a solution that is very accessible. The price is right. And the fact that we have CFPs teaching these classes, it's a really big deal. I mean, this is, this is, in my opinion, and of course I'm biased, right? <laughs> but, but being that I've had a taste of several business models already, <laughs> I can say that what we do is life-changing. Um, not just for the individual, but I talk a lot about the social capital and the implications of learning this and passing this on to the next generation and how when we think about where we learned about money and who we heard talking about money, it was mainly at home when we were growing up. And um, can you imagine if you have individuals out there who are able to talk about money and not be fighting over it with their spouse and making sense of it and working together and children are listening to this and they learn how to work 
through, you know, money issues with their future partners. I mean, imagine a world where people can talk about money safely and make decisions on numbers and not always on emotion. It's, you know, what we do is so special. And if we do it well, like you're saying, we quite literally impact generations of families. And that is one of the most powerful things I think we even, I mean, what, what other career do you get that opportunity to do that with? Teaching. (laughs) Well, that's true. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) But but this is what we're doing, right? Like you do it with your clients. Yeah. With our clients, we're, we're educating, we're empowering people. We're giving them tools and resources and knowledge so they can make informed decisions and, and so that they don't feel alone in this process. I mean, I just met with a couple over the weekend. They're a young couple. They're engaged to be married. And they told me that they never talk about money. I'm like, okay, so um, is that going to change once you get married? Or like, what are your plans? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, uh, we don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so let's talk about it, you know, cause wouldn't it be nice if you both knew what you were doing with your money so that you could help each other and, um, make these decisions together. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if you weren't individually stressed and maybe you could share some of those pain points with each other <laughs> and they're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that could be nice. So it's interesting, right? We, we, we have, we want to take money out of the closet. Let's talk about it already. Come on. I mean, it's stressing people out and, um, talking about it can help you. And, uh, definitely the American psychological association is already, has already proved that if we could at least talk about it, not even solving problems yet, but if we could talk about it in a safe environment, then our stress levels will decrease. Just normalizing it. Yeah. Making it normal to have those conversations. Absolutely. One of the things that you said is that your title is a financial coach instead of financial advisor. What do you see as the difference between those? Well, you know, I use a lot of sport analogies in our lessons and um, I'm a Patriots fan. <laughs> For all of you out there, <laughs> you hate the Patriots. Um But, you know, let's be honest, this is a team that is very well organized and that has an incredible coach, right? Um, They have Tom Brady, who is an amazing quarterback. We got to give credit where credit is due. But the coach sees the big picture. They can't replace the quarterback. You know, Belichick cannot be Tom Brady and Tom Brady cannot be Belichick, right? Everybody has a role. And for us, it's very important to identify in a way that is easy for people, like who you are in this relationship. And when I say, hey, you're Tom Brady for your finances. Oh, I know Tom Brady. (laughs) I know what he does, right? Like that's an easy thing to connect. So I'm like, yeah, so I'll be, you know, your amazing coach (laughs) that can show you um, the strategies, I can teach you the strategies. I can tell you when play should be, you know, um, executed. I can see things that you don't see because you're in the middle of the game and you may have some blind spots. So my job is to coach you through this process. 
And that resonates well with people. First, they get a chuckle out of it. (laughs) And then they say, Kat, I can't believe you love the Patriots. There's Peter. (laughs) You're in Florida. (laughs) That's right. Well, I tell him, I said, listen, I have to be a Patriots fan because my husband's from Boston. So if I want to keep the peace in the relationship, I got to be a Boston fan all the way around, right? (laughs) So uh, we get to laugh and share who we love to root for in our different sport teams. And then that makes it for an easy conversation saying, hey, I'm, I'm your coach. I'm coaching you. You're the quarterback. This is your game because it's your financial life. Um, and if you want to be good at it, we got to learn some strategies and, and you got to pay attention and, and you got to get in the game. So, well, and what's so great about that analogy is even Tom Brady throws interceptions and screws up. You know, it, it kind of gives from, if I heard that for myself, it'd be like, oh, not every play is going to get me 20 yards, but if enough of them, you know, get that way, you make progress. Yeah. And I think the part where you say, listen, even professional athletes see the value in a coach. Okay. And they do this for a living, but they understand that they're not going to see every play and they're not going to anticipate everything that's going to come their way. So if a professional athlete values having a coach <laughs> and they're really good at playing the game, <laughs> doesn't it make sense that maybe you need a coach for your finances because that really is your business and it's going to be, it's going to be part of your life every day. Most people say yes after that. <laughs> they're like, yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Kat. Let's do this. It seems like you've come a long way in a short amount of time in the time that you've been, you know, in the industry and profession. Uh, one of the things that you had said about you know, some of your earlier jobs was that you didn't even know what to ask. So thinking back to kind of that place, like what advice would you give to somebody in that situation that you were in? I would say listen to your podcast first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would ask, uh, I would recommend that they get um, more involved in their professional associations and and perhaps find a mentor, you know, so that they could bounce ideas off of them so they have better guidance. I think it's important, like in this, I feel like you also, as the job seeker, need your own coach, right, on how to do this. Um, I would say don't leave it all on your own shoulders and have somebody to to chat with. Um, But when you are there, I think you, you could definitely do a lot of research beforehand to see if this is a business model that matches your values and understand exactly how people get paid. That is key. Is this um, a firm or is a fee-only firm? Is it commission and fees? Is it commission only? What exactly are you getting yourself into? And what are the responsibilities? And, you know, I actually interviewed with a couple of other firms and, and asking some of these questions was tough for some people after I got smarter after all of those terrible experiences, because sometimes the firm owners didn't know what they wanted either. Um, so it was tough for them to answer some questions as far as like, what is the vision for me in this position long-term? Um, but I would say, write down what, you, what it is that you want to do and who it is that you want to serve. But at the same time, you have to be realistic and say, if I need a job that 
pays me a salary, then I need to understand how that business model is versus a job where it depends on me uh, to bring in income. I think that's a critical question because if you find yourself where you need income right away and you position yourself to be a small business owner and you haven't created that safety net, then even if you create your own business in an environment that you want and catering to the clients that are your ideal niche, it's going to be tough. So you better know ahead of time what it is that you want um, and how much you can endure as you go through this. That's such great advice. And, you know, I think, you know, what people want can oftentimes change too. So it's being aware of where you are today and knowing that that could change. Definitely. It could definitely change. And, and I think that if you're afforded the opportunity to go in and interview people just as a, an informational interview, just say, hey, I'm just trying to learn about the business and different business models. Can I take you out to coffee or lunch and ask you questions? I say do that because then they're not expecting you to ask that person for a job if, if you are looking for a job. And chances are once they get to know you, they could begin introducing you to other people. But, but yeah, I mean, you have to have a, a good, honest conversation with yourself. <laughs> and you need to have the, the financial safety net to be able to venture out if you decide that you want to start your own business. Taking the advice that we give a client and giving it to ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What a concept. So as we wrap up, is there any other piece of advice or any other thing that you, um, that we didn't cover that you want to be sure that people know or people hear from you? Yeah, I think um, one thing that we didn't talk about was diversity in this industry. Um, I am Hispanic uh, and I'm a female and you know, I would say that for all the people out there, maybe you have a diverse group that's listening to your podcast. I want to encourage them when they come into this industry um, because it could be intimidating, a little bit intimidating, but I have met some really wonderful people uh, in my FPA family and in my XYPN family that, that will welcome you with open arms and help you and guide you. And so I would just encourage people out there to become involved, to volunteer, and to um, ask questions because there's a ton of people in this industry that have been extremely helpful to me. It took me a while to meet them. <laughs> I wish I would have met them the first day. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I encourage you to do that now. Do that. Get involved. Get back to the industry. It's so much fun. And, and that's how I met you, Hannah. So... Look, this is what getting involved means. Is you get to meet, you know, wonderful people that come into your life that can pour positivity and, and help you in, in making this a reality for your career. We hope you enjoyed this episode of You're a Financial Planner, Now What? It's a first of the three with Kat and Carol from Fiscal Fitness Clubs. They're both amazing people and I'm excited to share their stories with you. Be sure to tune in next week. And as always, thanks for listening.